Hi, welcome to Birthing at Home, a podcast. I'm Elsie, your host. I'm a home birth mom of two little boys. I'm a mental health nurse, a home birth advocate broadly, but also more specifically in the state of Victoria, and I'm an ex-student midwife. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land I'm recording on in Nam, Melbourne, Australia. I would also like to acknowledge that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have been birthing at home on country for tens of thousands of years prior to the British invasion and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. Welcome to 2024, everyone. Today in episode 17, we have Claudia from Sydney sharing six birth stories, which includes two home births and a free birth, and in total spans about 16 years. Not only does Claudia share her stories, but we have some great conversation around birth and birth culture, including how Claudia's first birth experiences were influenced by people-pleasing, which is a common experience amongst pregnant women especially. Fast forward to 16 years later and her final birth, a free birth, which was arguably anything but people-pleasing. It is a longer episode, so please don't be overwhelmed. Pause if you need. Initially, I assumed Claudia's birth at home experiences would be her last three. However, that isn't the case. Enjoy. Welcome, Claudia, to the Birthing at Home, a podcast. Hi, Elsie. It's so nice to be here. It's awesome to have you here. You're in Sydney, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm very excited, but also a little bit nervous because you've got six uh, awesome stories to share and we were just discussing. So three of um, those stories are in a home setting and the other three are, um, I think you said, in a birth centre or hospital setting. Yeah. Um, So I might just get you to um, give a little rundown of like who you are, who's in your family, um, and then we can start talking birth. Awesome. Um, yeah, so my name's Claudia. I am a 39, oh no, hang on. Am I 30? I'm a 38-year-old, <laughs> getting ahead of myself, 38-year-old woman, um, mum of six, um, yeah, and uh, living in Sydney. I'm a Muslim woman. Um, yeah. I, and, and I'm a birth worker. So yeah. I work in the space of coaching and mentoring women towards truly autonomous birth, no matter what that looks like. So I help women to really unpack the way they're making decisions around their pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and then move towards decisions that will take them towards um, their their goals that they're trying to achieve for their birth. Yeah, that's amazing. How did you like choose that path? Was that something that you found, you know, after having experiences of childbirth or? Yeah. So, well, after I had my fifth baby, I I had so much kind of inner enthusiasm to support women in and around birth. I'd, I'd always loved birth since I was a kid, since I was a little girl. Yeah. I remember being really fascinated by it. Um, and even when I was a, when I was a teenager, I used to actually make myself a pregnant belly out of like a pillow and, oh, and the, yeah, the little yeah. almond, <laughs> the out, outie yeah. belly button, everything. It was, yeah, really yeah. kind of weird, I guess. Um, but, but that was always <laughs> what I was into. 
And so after I had my fifth baby, thinking at that time, okay, that's it, no more babies. How can I now start supporting women through their own uh, own experiences? And um, so that's what led me to train as a doula. Um, and at the time, I really, really enjoyed that training. Um, and then as I kind of started to think about how I might like to support women, it became clear that really what m- interested me more than attending births in the hospital and and being with women in birth is really helping them to uh, dive deep into their blocks and their fears that are stopping them from choosing what they really want and gaining a really deep awareness of the the very real trappings of the system that I don't think are spoken about a lot. Uh, So yeah, yeah, I, I, I got a lot of mentoring and coaching from an incredible birth worker um, who lives up in Darwin, Lisa Masters. Yep. And um, and from there really, really got on that path of coaching and mentoring myself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So uh, when did you have your first baby? What year? So that was back in 2007. I was 22 years yep. old and um, – it was just kind of by chance that I got on the path towards pursuing a natural birth. It was just a conversation with my auntie where she had mentioned what her intentions had been for her birth and it got me interested. I was I was about midway through my pregnancy at that point when I even booked in. Um, I booked into a birth centre program that was attached to the hospital. Uh, so it was a, yep. you know, publicly funded um, midwifery uh, continue, continuity of care model. Um, yep. And for me at that time, just kind of dipping my toe in the whole, the whole world of birth, um, I found it really positive, you know. And the thing is, you know, and, and we'll get to this later in this particular story is that you know, it, it was an incredibly positive experience for me. Um, and what I realised yep. in hindsight was that I think it was so positive for me because of the, um, the, the smoothness of my pregnancy and the smoothness of my birth and the fact that I did happen to have midwives um, who were extremely um, hands-off and, and um, supportive of physiological birth which I think is an important point to make because, you know, it's, it's not the reality for all women. So there no. is, there are a lot of women who engage with that program, um, being told that they can expect that kind of an experience to, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of get booted out for A, B or C reason down the line. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah. at that time for me, it was really positive. I, I um, trucked along, you know. I, I was, I was a real kind of beginner in the whole world. So I had the yeah. the book. What was it? Um, what to, what to expect when you're expecting? Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, poured through that book and just found it so fascinating what my body was doing and all of that and I I learned as much as I could about um you know the physiology of birth and 
you know, what my body is going to be doing and all of that stuff. You know, so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's amazing. And, um, yeah, like for a first-time mum, like first-time childbirth experience, that's um, still pretty cool that you found the birth centre because I think, um, like I'm, I'm not sure in 2007, but um, like like now it's still not really – like some people might know of like continuity of care, and but I don't really think they know what that means sometimes and especially if you've not – you know, gone through the whole process before. So even to choose, um, you know, a birth center model of care with mid midwifery led care, that's still pretty amazing um, that you were able to do that. Did you, um, so you said that you spoke to your aunt, like family members and, um, you know, friends, had you heard like what their birth experiences had been or? Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's interesting that you, you mentioned that because my imprinting of birth um, was really a positive one. You know, my, my own mum always used to tell us our birth stories quite freely and so she'd always spoken of them really positively um, and so I, I, I did not have any fears. I didn't have any uh, kind of real tangible or noticeable fears that I was able to identify about birth or about any of it really. Um, yeah. And, I mean, of course there, there were fears there and if I really analyse that now, uh, the reason I was engaging with a birth centre or with any aspect of the system was because of fear, you know, it was because of um, the fear of, you know, all of the what ifs and all of that. So I, I still had a lot of yeah. those stories in my head, very much so. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that I chose the birth centre, if I'm honest, it was not so much – it was – I was very comforted by the fact that it, the birth centre was uh, part of the hospital. I was very comforted by that, yep. if I'm honest, you know. And um, yeah, I yeah, used yeah. to kind of validate my choices, uh, my choice to be in the birth centre with family and friends by saying, oh, no, well, it's, it's you know, it's right inside the hospital. So if anything happens, yeah. I'm right there. It's just through the doors. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah, in absolutely. hindsight that I can really look back at my previous self and and the motivations for my decisions um and i'm able to see how fear led a lot of it people pleasing led a lot of it however i was still i'm really really lucky that i was still able to have an incredibly positive birth experience within that model of care so i mean i i did love that first birth and then um so you had like that positive experience and so um when did you have baby number two so baby two, just to give like a quick, you know, summary of my first birth, it was it was really kind of stock yep. standard, you know. Um, and so it really set me on the path of absolutely loving birth, really thinking what my body was able to do was just incredible. Um, yeah. You know, I had a water birth. She just kind of eased out. I, I, some, I think because I was so left alone by the midwife, uh, I really was able to tap into my zone. I was really able to surrender to the process. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, that just put me on good footing for my subsequent birth. So the yeah. next baby came along 21 months after that. So that was my second yep. girl, Alia, and it was the same program. Yep. So I went through the same midwife, same birth centre program, had very much the same experience. Yeah, well. yep. um, and, and yeah, I mean, so at this point in my journey, I'm thinking, wow, the birth centre is just amazing. It's just like this whimsical, <laughs> fantastic option. So yeah. for me, it was at that time, uh, but for many women, that isn't the reality. So I just, you know, I just like to add in that there is that real nuance there. Um, and yeah. I was very, I was very, very lucky that it served what I was, what I was hoping to receive from the system. Yeah. 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 And did you say that you had the same midwives? Yes, I did. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. I feel like you don't come across that, especially in the medical system. Yeah. I feel like that's not super common. That's awesome. Cause that's like, even that's like building onto the whole idea of continuity of care. It's not just in that pregnancy. It's like in subsequent, uh, subsequent pregnancy as well. Fantastic. It was, it was so cool. And I mean, this is why I keep saying how lucky I was that I, I do realize how uncommon that is and you know um of course you'd know as well that midwives who are trained within that system whether they are working in the hospital whether they are working in the birth center or even when whether they are private practicing they do have a certain level of intervention that they expect to carry out um that's absolutely wonderful for the women who who want that level of intervention um, but I was really lucky yeah. that I had a midwife who was really very, kind of very blasé about birth in general, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed her support. And, and, in fact, she was my midwife when I got the publicly funded home birth for my third birth. So same, yeah. same program, same midwife for baby number three. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Um, so with, uh, did you say her name is Alia? Yeah, Alia is my second, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. So with her birth, did you also have a water birth? I did, yeah. So, I mean, like what to say really about the births themselves? They were kind of, <laughs> if, you know, like we we don't necessarily like to reference textbooks for any of this stuff. But honestly, if you open up a textbook yeah. of how birth goes, that's how my birth went. You know, it was the, it was seriously yeah, wow. like you know seven hours active labour, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the birth just happened. It it kind of kicked off. It built up. Um, you know, I had my good old mum there rubbing my back. I mean, um, my my first three babies were from my first husband who I separated from and later divorced after my third so um my I mean obviously he left the picture and then I remarried and had my subsequent babies with um, my current husband but my mum's been like a steady steady participant in every single one of my births she's just amazing she's my best friend so um yeah yeah Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. Alia, she, I, I arrived at the birth center, things were really intense, but, but actually really 
kind of, I, I find when I think back about all my births, her birth was the most easy to handle the actual sensations. Um, got yep. into the water around transition. And I remember I was joking around with mum. I was in the water and yep. I we were still joking around between contractions. And we said between one contraction, oh, man, we've still got ages to go because we're still joking. And then it was within within about 15 minutes I felt this almighty drop, like her head just smacked against my pelvis. And then within one push her head popped out. It was just completely unexpected and I was just freaking out. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, she I had, you know, a, a decent tear, which is like kind of I guess uh not uncommon if if your head the your baby's head just pops out that far. Yeah, just yeah, and then exactly. she just shot out. And the thing is we do joke because that's she entered how she continued because she is that kind yeah. of person. She's always been the wild yeah, one. Wow. So yeah, yeah. She came <laughs> along, um, I mean, everything was always just so normal. Placenta, you know, I can't even remember giving birth to the placenta, which, you know, if if I unpack the births further than just kind of skimming the surface, there are things, there are definitely aspects of the care and and support where I I really wish that I had uh, been been opened up to these other aspects of what my birth could be regarding uh, taking notice of my placenta um, and any of that. I honestly do not even remember giving birth to them. There was no, there was just no notice taken of that. Um, When I, when I look back on those earliest moments of my postpartum period I mean like the the hours after I'm all dressed up again baby's in a blanket so yeah there's always teasing out that we can do in reflection of course um so at that time with what I knew they were fantastic experiences would they serve me and fulfill me now absolutely not which is why I kind of went on and progressed to different different like ways of doing it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. In um, those t- first two experiences, did you do any like particular education or like with um, Nadima, you said you read um, what to expect when you're expecting or whatever the book is. Yeah. Um, did you like, do you remember any other resources that you found yes. or used? Yes. I mean, they were basically just books. I, yeah. I was pretty adamant and my mom actually said to me, um, oh, you know, I really recommend that you do a uh, one of the hospital birth classes. You know, they they really help you to get an idea of how it all goes and everything. And I kind of intuitively knew that I didn't want or need that. Um, yeah. And I mean, now looking back, of course, I see those classes pretty much as just lessons in being groomed in hospital protocol uh yeah but yeah no I I decided that I wasn't interested in any of those things and I alongside that good old what to expect when you're expecting I also read a book which (laughs) I've got so much 
just really fond memories of and a lot of nostalgia and it's called um, Adventures in Natural Childbirth. And I read that oh, book okay. cover to cover and it, it's one I've never heard of since, ever, ever being talked about or shared. No. And I, I mean, I love this book because what it was was just a book full of um, different women's stories of natural childbirth and I mean of course like you can always dig dig in what is natural childbirth and all of that but at the time I really appreciated hearing the stories of women and so that's been something that has always resonated with me way above and beyond statistics and this and that and what this body of research says I actually care quite little about that what really lights me up and always has and, and continues to do so is hearing the stories of women. Like for me, that is the strongest evidence, you know. And so this was a book that I just poured over the pages of and I, yeah, I absolutely loved that book. So um, I I read that cover to cover many times. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I had a few others that I can't even remember, but I was just, I mean, I borrowed books from the Birth Centre Library, you know, um, Active Birth yep. by Janet Velasquez, um, a few of those big titles. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff like that. That, that was pretty much it. Just kind of yeah. did some reading and I yeah. I thought, oh, this is just going to be all right. I'll just see how it goes on the day. But I, I yeah. really had confidence that I'd be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Would you have described yourself as like a confident woman, you know, at 22, 23, you know, having these experiences? Uh, well, that's a really interesting question because actually I was absolutely not a confident woman and um, that yeah. that is what, and I can I can speak a little bit about this as we go on to further birth stories, but that is what has been the source of a lot of sabotage of my previous births is my inability to stand up for what I wanted, Um, my inability to have difficult conversations with family members, um, really steeped in people-pleasing. So I I definitely have not been a confident woman up until probably, probably quite recently in my early 30s when I started kind of unpacking everything around my births and why I made the decisions that I made and um, and how that affected my experience and all of that. And yeah. I really credit, as I mentioned her name at the start of this episode, I really credit my, my coach, Lisa Masters, who helped me to unpack all of my stories and see how those themes apply to all areas of my life. And, I mean, that's what I've then gone on to do with women, the, the women I now work with. So. Yeah. So yeah, I was not a confident woman. Um yeah. and but but I just kind of in the realm of like handling the process of birth, I really think I did have a lot of confidence. So yeah, yeah kind of a two-pronged thing really. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um quite Complex because I would kind of say similar thing about me and um, I know that there's more discussions um, amongst women and on other podcasts about people-pleasing and especially, um, you know, as women we're kind of, I guess, in society um, brought up to people-please. It's like part of like 
the the culture i yeah. guess um and then how yeah that how that goes on to um potentially sabotage us when we have these really meant to be really empowering experiences mm. um yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and yeah. so yeah and so after you had alia um you chose not to go back to the birth center so yeah i i felt pregnant fairly quickly after I had Alia. So she was just five months yeah. old or six months old when I fell pregnant with um, my next one, my first boy, Noah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that at that time my marriage was like really kind of just unstable, quite toxic, and and then I find myself pregnant again. So, you know, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> yeah. Of course, like yeah. they're, they're just always the biggest blessings. So yeah. So with that kind of backdrop of where I was, I was feeling, I was a very um, kind of jittery, nervous, scared woman in my mid-20s. And and so I, I, went, I went back to that same birth centre and then they said to me, look, Claudia, you, you just – you're just plopping out these babies, no issue. Come on, have that home birth because it was it was publicly yeah. funded. So they said, look, yeah. we'll just come to your house. Let's do this. Go and plop out your baby at home. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so much more convenient. So they had actually said that to me uh, with my second, even with my first, I believe. Um, but by the time I'd had my second baby, uh, by the time I was pregnant with my second baby, yeah. I think if I had done the digging and really questioned why I was not going forward with a home birth, I would have to admit that it was probably because I thought to myself, there's no way I can have that conversation with my husband at the time. Like there's yeah, no way okay. I can yeah. bring that up to have a home birth, you know? So yeah. So then... Was he... I guess very briefly, was that in a sort of controlling sense or was that in a, um, no, it's not safe, um, you should be birthing in hospital or that's what women should do, go and birth in the hospital? Yeah, it was definitely not in a controlling sense. I think that he was more on the spectrum of apathy towards me <laughs> rather than control. Yeah, okay. It was sort of the opposite end. Yeah. Um, so... I I definitely think it was more just I didn't want to have I didn't want to voice an opinion or have a conversation around my denial of the status quo. You know, I can't yeah. even really I can't even really say that I feel sure he would have disagreed with it, but I just didn't even want to bring it up. Yeah. So Yeah. 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 And so I thought, oh, no, just keep your head in and just, you know, plot along and do the same thing you've done. But then yep. by the time I was pregnant with my third, I thought, oh, yeah, let's just do it. Let's just see if we can do this. So yep. I, you know, I spoke to him. And in the same way that I used to tell that I was telling family and friends, oh, okay, birth center's safe because it's attached to the hospital, the way I framed it to him was, oh, well, you know, home birth is safe because, like, they bring everything. They bring the oxygen tank and they bring this <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that yeah. and the all all the trappings of the system. They'll just take it to your home, so it's okay. Yeah. 
so he uh, he agreed with that, and um, okay, yeah, and off we went. The thing is, like, yep. people pleasing did play such a massive role in this particular journey because, you know, I did not actually even tell my mother-in-law who, like, there's, there's so many elements to this because my mother-in-law was coming to my birth um, and I was, okay. I was more than happy to have her there, luckily. Yeah. But... I did not tell her once during my entire pregnancy that I was having a home birth because I was too scared. Uh, <laughs> I was too scared. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is these yeah. are the, so the your mom that I kind of came from of people pleasing. Yeah. yeah. Quite, quite full on. Yeah. So when you mention it to your mum, who's, you know, been such a strong support um, with Nadima and Alia, um, you know, that, you know, I'm actually going to have this baby at home. Was she on board with it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She yeah. was because she she's also got quite a blasé attitude about birth um, and, and her imprint of birth was very much influenced by my father who, I mean, he he's not in our life and hasn't been since I was little, but what he said to her when she was pregnant with me was, oh, birth's easy, you know, I've grown up on a farm and I've seen, um, you know, sheep give birth yeah. all the time. It's yep. simple. Yeah. And so he literally just equated it. Sheep yeah. gives birth, boom, plop out. Yeah. That's how humans do it. Wow. Yeah, and so yeah, she's yeah. like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. easy. So yeah, she's taken that attitude um, right through her own births and then and then my births. And so she was like, yeah, home birth, cool, easy, do it. Yeah. That's so, cool. uh, so yeah, like, I mean, I remember her telling me at one point when I was saying, "Hey, mom, I'm so scared to tell my mother-in-law that I'm birthing at home." She was trying to shake me out of it. What you like? If she had her choice, her choice when she was giving birth to her babies, this yep. is your life, your turn, your birth. Like, just, yep. you know. But it, it takes so much. It takes so much more deep diving to really uproot these fears of standing up for yourself. Yeah. So um so I I you know end of my pregnancy still haven't told her that I'm going to have birth at home um and marriage was extremely on the rocks. Like there was so much toxicity coming from my ex-husband. Like I I can't even really do due diligence to this story without ma- mentioning um, how kind of downtrodden I felt at that time yeah. uh, within within my marriage dynamic, you know. Uh, like so I went into early labour um, and, I mean, he had just to be, just to kind of put things in into context he did have a like a a drug issue that was kind of really rearing its um rearing its ugly head at that time yeah um it had been an issue that definitely impacted my first birth um yeah and and it was really so he what I mean by that is 
his behavior was really kind of erratic. Yeah. Um, there was some, some bullying, you know, um, and so to kind of how that framed my birth, you know, I was going into early labor and, um, and I, you know, you kind of get really nasty. Yeah. As you'd know, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. as we'd all know. And I, I was in quite strong labor. Um, and I remember saying to him, look, can you, can you vacuum please? Cause I can't stand all these crumbs and bits on yeah, the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. And so there was just, he, he kind of just flew off the, the handle and, and so I remember just breaking down and I, I had a huge contraction. I was, it was really ramping up, Yep. had a huge contraction and I, I was just on the floor and I remember sort of breaking down and crying to mum, mum, if, if he's not gonna, if he's gonna just keep being mean to me, you need to tell him he has to just go. He can't be here. It was just yeah. so much drama and, and, you know, like it, it all comes down to uh, the fact that I was not able to advocate for myself. I, I was, I was really not in a place back then to be able to even see how much I was allowing my, my whole life to really be sabotaged, you know? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's just a really important element yeah. of what played out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I guess it really comes into the whole idea that, you know, people give like, like home birth is meant to kind of equate with safe. And if you don't feel safe in, you know, your space, like that's meant to be your home, then yeah, how, yeah, you really do need to be able to advocate to make it a safe place. Um, was your mum, you know, able to um, help you manage that situation? Uh, yeah, yeah, she, she really did. She did her very best to kind of um, create a bit of a safety bubble around me uh, and help to block out the negativity coming from from that angle. Um, it did definitely hinder my ability to go into the zone, you know, as I had been so easily able to do with my first two. So as a result of that, getting in the bathtub because the birth pool had a leak in it, um, my labor pretty much stalled for hours and hours. And it's it's only through kind of unpacking things through hindsight that I was able to see, oh wow, I my adrenaline was absolutely peaking, so it cut right out, cut right through the yeah, ability yeah. of my oxytocin and my endorphins to do their job, and so I was feeling so much pain. So much. I felt like I was almost being tortured yeah. in those contractions. I was mentally feeling so scared and so freaked out. And I can see now that it was the entire environment. It was, yeah, every yeah. all of those external factors that were that were at play that kept me completely in my fight or flight rather than being able to go into my primal brain. Wow. Um so, you know, I mean, putting that aside, like my labor stalled in the in the bath there. I was I was literally having contractions every minute or so. Really a 
like heading into transition, got in the bath. It was max stress. And then my labor just pretty much petered out for hours. Um, and I was having a contraction about every 10 minutes um, for, for, for several hours. But, but um, you know, I mean, like the birth process is extremely robust and strong. So my body just kept plodding along. Um, got through it, man, I was happy to, to get to the end where I was pushing. Once I reached pushing with him, I was, yeah. I was like, oh, that's it. It's, it's happening. I, it's nearly over. And I, I, I loved it, loved pushing, pushed him out in the bath. And I've never felt relief like that in my entire life. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was just extremely just the mental load of trying to labor with all of that stuff going on. Yeah. Took a huge toll, which is yeah. why it's so important for women to have that support in their pregnancy to be able to have a light shone on those influences in pregnancy so that yeah. they can just be supported to to examine the ways that these any negativity and any of any of these influences can have a huge impact on how their their birth plays out. Yeah. Um so yeah, yeah. I mean like that kind of support almost didn't really exist back then. It's so it's becoming really widespread now, which is fantastic, but yeah. yeah. Um I think that was um, my journey with that one. Yeah, I think um what you yeah, like I feel that there's you know, I'm on lots of like mum group like Facebook groups and you know, I see um you know about co-sleeping and um like other birth groups mm. and um you know, often it's um, like, you know, my partner says this, my partner says that, my partner doesn't agree with this. Um, my partner and um, his family are saying this and that and this and that. And I guess like you don't, I guess society's understanding of birth isn't so much that it's so hormonal and it is like it is this primal experience and if you don't have um if you don't feel safe and listened to and heard in in those you know regular conversations then you really need to Mm. think about um how you're going to be able to feel safe and heard um in the birth space because as soon as you're not like you're quite right the the adrenaline kicks in the oxytocin is what's meant to be you know driving the 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 labor um but also something interesting that i listened to from the midwives cauldron the other day is about um Mm -hmm. i actually can't remember the correct term that they called it but i'm gonna say um physiological plateaus uh, during labor and how um we we, i guess like we imagine uh labor to be you know this 
Well, I mean, in a hospital setting, they're like, okay, like after this many hours, this should happen. And after this many hours, this should happen. And you should be this many centimeters dilated. And if we don't have mm-hmm. a baby before mm-hmm. then, you know, it's like a straight line. But um, in yeah. this episode about um, physiological plateaus, it really does describe that um, your body is very clever. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, even with uh, adrenaline playing its part and whatever, um, there is – um, in many cases, um, you know, reason for labor to slow down. And, um, you know, if it's not like acutely indicated that something actually is the, is wrong, I guess, you know, using mm-hmm. the term wrong, then it's okay to just like relax. Everybody relax. The baby is coming. It's a big process. Um, so I'm really, I guess, um, impressed it maybe is the term that um your midwives were able to also like hold that space that it's okay like your labor has slowed down but there's no need to you know panic and transfer and all of these other things that's um yeah quite amazing Mm, yeah 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 I again I was really really lucky there was absolutely no there was there was no talk at all that I remember whatsoever about, oh, okay, do you want to, you know, do you want to, um, <laughs> I don't know, do some kind of crazy intervention like breaking your waters or anything yeah. heinous like that. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, actually, I do remember at one point the midwife, because I was in the bathtub, she's sitting on the toilet saying to me, Look, you know, if you wanted, you could you could get out of the bath, and that would probably yeah. help things to to speed back up again. Or you can just chill out here, like your call. There, so yeah. there was a there was that was thrown out there as a suggestion, but there was absolutely no hint of coercion yeah. in that. Of like, how about we do this? She said you could do that. That would probably happen might happen or you could do this and that might happen and whatever we we really don't care whichever um so you know like I was I was just very very lucky you know really lucky a lot of a lot of women in that situation would have a midwife who would be saying okay look how about we do this how about we do that you know uh we know that that is really common so I'm really grateful for that I was very very happy with the support that they um that they gave me um but yeah like of course the the other thing just to um go off what you mentioned there about the physiological plateaus of course absolutely um you know a woman could have zero stress and all the support in the world and she's rocking it she's having an an amazing experience hits transition and then something kind of happens and then then there's a plateau and of course like we know that you know, as there's that hormonal shift and the body sort of rests before pushing, a bit of a plateau is is totally normal at that time as well. Um, so, you know, there's there's no need for any kind of pigeonholing really of any different things that happen in birth. But in my experience, yeah. just speaking about my own experience, reflecting on the level of stress and kind of fright <laughs> I was feeling, 
Um, I I have kind of put my own massive slowdown of labor down to those those elements. Um, But yeah, Yeah. like as you said, the body is really wise. It is really smart, and it got the job done. And yeah, that was that was my first home birth experience. Yeah, wow. And so at that time, um, who did you have supporting you? Had your mum? Did your mother-in-law attend the birth? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I didn't end that part of the story. So, (laughs) I mean, that was another aspect to the huge level of stress that I was feeling because I was literally about to get in that bathtub, um, you know, really in transition almost. And and I remember calling my mother-in-law and, I mean, thinking back on it, it's just so crazy that I was the one calling her as well rather than my husband yeah, at the time. I mean, so the whole bizarre. thing's just so bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just do that job, don't worry. Yeah, I'm about to push um, out the baby, but let me just call my yeah, mother-in-law first. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I remember speaking to her. And she said to me, okay, cool, you're in labour, so so when, what time do I meet you at the hospital? And it's at that moment that I said to her, actually, um, I'm not going to the hospital, I'm having a home birth. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, it freaked me out. So yeah. I had every completely, like, dripping with adrenaline. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so that yeah. that was that. That was that story. I mean, and then she did. She she. She was, she was really cool about it. I mean, that's the thing. These were all my own stories. It was like I was keeping myself prisoner. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it was. She, she turned up. She was cool. She was supportive. And there, were, there were actually no issues. It was all just of my own making. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it really had a huge impact on my birth. Yeah. And um, where was Nadima or Alia um like present when Noah was born or yeah yeah they were um they were so Dima was she had just turned three yep and so she so and then I had a 16 month old and then I was giving birth so um it was all go at home and she was hanging around in her undies eating icy poles up till like you know 12 midnight yeah. Um, pouring little things of water on my back and just having yeah. a huge party. Um, yeah. my 16 month old had fallen asleep. Um, and yeah, that's kind of, they were sort of just, yeah, around, around. Yeah. I was actually, I think my husband was, a, um, in with her for a while, putting her to sleep. But look, I can't even remember. It was so yeah. long ago, but <laughs> But yeah, yeah, they they were around. They were definitely yeah. in, in the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, n- do you remember um, the placenta with Noah? I do actually. That was the only one that I do really remember that one because I I remember after I gave birth, I was in the bathtub for a little while, just like drinking up the cuteness of this like sweet little thing yeah 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 first boy I was absolutely obsessed from the first second yeah and um and yeah then it was they like after a while um I clamped and cut the cord whatever 
yep. got out and then stood over the toilet. And I remember yep. it just plopped right out into the bowl that they had underneath the toilet. But yeah, that's how that was. That that was cool. Yep. Like I, yep. I always found birthing the placenta just a really cool thing, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. No fears at all around, you know, the, the, what supposedly can happen and the, you know, this is your biggest time where you might have a hemorrhage and all of those kinds of things that, that yep. so many women are, are kind of taught to fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And again, Amazing. like I, I think that's another element where I was lucky because these midwives n- never meant that like there were things that I was never told about like skin to skin and like different tidbits of of the amazingness of th- things I might like to consider to to really enhance the the basic physiology of the experience. But on the flip yeah. side, also there was zero fear mongering. Yeah, you know, I remember even my babies. I've always carried them in a uh, uh, posterior position. They've all. Yeah. I don't know what it is. My my pelvis, my body, whatever. They're always sort of that way leaning. Yeah, and I remember like having my belly palpated sort of right at the end and she's like yeah you're posterior I mean she goes look like sometimes it can mean labor's a bit longer you know sometimes it can mean you got some stuff happening in your back but like yeah. just as often you you'll not even notice anything baby turns yeah. before it comes out there was there was very relaxed language around everything so again yeah. I was really really lucky yeah yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm just like ref- oh, because that was like attached to the hospital because, um, I think the um requirement for two midwives to attend the birth, I think that only came in in like 2010 or something. Whether um, I think I don't quote me on that. Do you know? I don't actually know. Um, what I do know uh, I'm thinking it may and of course don't quote me I'm terrible with dates it may have been before that because I definitely did have two midwives yeah um so I had a my my midwife who attended all three births and then I did have a backup as well who also came um so yeah 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 Yeah, cool and so Noah's born at home um Mm -hmm. and then when was baby number four born so baby number four, uh, I do, got divorced when baby number three, Noah, was a year old. Yep. And then a few years later, so back in 2000 and um, end of 2017, I got remarried yep. to my current husband and fell pregnant fairly quickly. So I had my fourth baby in 2018. Yep. Um, so with that journey... Now, it was, you know, some years on and, and also I'd moved areas as well. So I was not within the catchment area of that initial hospital. Um, yep. And so I was actually living almost next door to um, my local hospital. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, yep. yeah, yeah. And so because I had found my third birth almost almost traumatic in how stressful and painful and how much I felt trapped in a body that was being tortured. Yep. Um, I I had developed quite a fear of birth. Yeah. It's really weird. So it's 
so weird to reflect that it's like my first home birth is what caused me to have a lot of fear of the pain of birth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when I found out I was pregnant, I remember I, I took a pregnancy test and the very first thought that entered my head as soon as I saw those two lines was, oh, crap, I couldn't give birth again. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That must have been such a yeah. horrible feeling. It was really kind of sobering. You know, I just yeah. thought it was like reality kind of smacked me in the face. And yeah. so I thought, no, no, come on, you can do this and you're going to do this. So I just really went deep, as deep as I knew yep. how to go at that time. So, yep. I mean, now <laughs> I do a whole different level of deep work with women. But at that time, for me, what that work meant was, okay, I'm going to learn everything I can about like releasing my fears and about um, surrendering to the process. And I started listening to all the different free birth podcasts and all the different uh, childbirth without like fear-free childbirth podcasts and all of that. And I just went deep, deep into that. Yeah. Um, yep. And I did a hypnobirthing course and listened to all those tracks. To it, I was basically, my mindset was I need to, not be scared of birth anymore yeah um so i i really went all in on that um however at the same time i was i kind of i guess struggling with the choices that i was making around birth itself the system that i was using so i booked into the hospital yep um and i thought to myself my plan was I I was listening to these free birth podcasts and so I knew that that was a thing but I was way too scared to again bring that up with my husband yep. um and I was also still in the mindset of okay but what if something bad happened to me what if what if yeah uh and I I also just thought look what I'm going to do is I'm going to just see how I go with basically heading into the hospital when I'm about to push. That was my plan of action. And okay, that is, yep. you know, what I ended up doing. So the, yep. the, I, this, when I entered that system of just standard hospital care, I was actually really shocked. Yeah, um, okay. It was like a huge smack in the face because I had been so it was so different from what I experienced with the birth center. And again, you know, I was very, very lucky with the way things went in the birth center. However, even though the birth center was in a hospital, you walk in the big building, you go up the lift and then you walk into a little birth center, but it was kind of like this sweet little cut off nook from the rest of the hospital. And within it, you had all these beautiful pictures of these like you know, oil paintings with big pregnant bellies and pictures of women breastfeeding and just huge wall of books and natural yeah. parenting magazine and bean bags and stuff. So it for me at that time felt like a whole different, holistic, sweet little world. So yeah, then yeah. when I went into the antenatal clinic and I'd sit like literally almost in the emergency department kind of to wait for your appointments and you're waiting around for ages with all these other random sick people and then you get called in different midwife every time 
explaining yeah. the same stuff every time to the different person. They hardly look at you. Yeah. So that was really quite jarring. Um, yeah. It's, I can't believe, um, yeah, I think you've, you've, um, like give given features of both models like so well like it's it's like how does the hospital get away with providing such a low level of care and so many women still choose this pathway when it could be so different i mean obviously accessibility come like plays a big part like for example in Victoria, uh, in the entire state of Victoria, there is only one hospital in Melbourne that does um, like publicly funded home births through the um, uh, like the midwifery group practice. There's no actual mm-hmm. like birth centres in Victoria anymore. The, you, the only way you can access publicly funded home birth is through one very specific hospital. And I mean, Melbourne, like Sydney, is a very big place. And so if you're Mm. out of that catchment, um, too bad, how sad, you'll have to just go to the hospital. Like if that's what, if you want to give birth in a hospital, that's where you'll be going. And um, yeah, yeah, such such different experiences. Hey everyone, it's almost two months ago now since I recorded this episode with Claudia and I just wanted to say now in January 2024 there are three publicly funded home birth programs in Victoria and a fourth hopefully opening later this year. If you wanted to keep up to date you can join the Home Birth Victoria group on Facebook. Well yeah to speak to that a little bit I I think that the reason women do just turn up is because It's so many reasons. It's like we are so conditioned collectively to think that that is just what is done. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of our media, all of our, you know, as you know, everything is gearing us towards a fear of childbirth and exaltation of the medical system and, um, and, yeah, so... Like it's it's no surprise that that's the just the status yeah. quo, unfortunately. But but yeah, and and as, as you said, like without accessibility to to other options that many more women would find really uh, aligned with what they're seeking, it's it becomes a huge jump for women to say, okay, I don't want the hospital and I want a home birth. But mm. without affordable access to having a midwife in my home, the only op- other option being to go it alone, it seems yeah. it's it's a, it becomes a huge jump. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's growing though. It's growing. The it's as more and more women. Uh, decide to kind of work on reclaiming their autonomy more and more women are making the shifts to to just kind of stay home and let the physiological process unfold which is really cool yeah yeah absolutely um what is baby number four's name that's yusuf yep yusuf is number four and so um the birth the birth experience in the hospital what was that like? That one was really interesting because after having done all of that deep diving into 
um, you know, physiological birth and releasing my fears and all of that and really thinking that I had so much experience in um, having a simple, straightforward birth, um, thinking that I really understood the system and what it tries to do to women and all of that, um, it was really interesting to me that I was still uh, bullied by the system and they were still, even though I, I, I literally turned up as I was in transition and about to push, they were still able to meddle with my process. And, and so wow. that was interesting to me that it's um, even for women who go in there really savvy, uh, it, it's amazing the, the different ways in which it's like by hook or by crook they will try yeah. to meddle. So I remember, yeah. I mean, I had, I gave birth to him at nearly 42 weeks and by the time they, I was 40, 39 weeks, they were really putting the, the pressure on um, to talk about induction, um, to, you know, do all of that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was really full on. Um, I yeah. managed to dodge the induction by the skin of my teeth because I was yeah. so much of a people pleaser still at that time. I don't know what yeah. would have happened if I'd been pregnant another week. I really don't. And I, yeah. I don't like to think of what I might have decided to do. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So when I turned up for that birth, I had, I mean, I jotted down in the chart, my, my file throughout the whole thing, want to have a water birth. Um, I turn yep. up on the day and I remember a, a midwife in full-on scrubs, operating theatre scrubs, coming in and saying to me, oh, I don't do water birth, no. <gasps> and so, <laughs> I mean, it's just like it, it's kind of, it's, it's that run-of-the-mill uh, dismissal of um, the woman's experience. Like it's, you know, I can see it now as no surprise and, of course, it's not nice when it's happening in the moment. But, um, but yeah, like so it was just these different kinds of things. Um, I remember being really strongly coerced to have a scan as soon as I got there uh, yeah. because the – the midwife who came in and palpated my belly, I mean, all of these things now I just see as the, the grossest um, interventions. And, and that's the thing. That yeah. is just what the system does. Like, I mean, the idea that a woman who's quite obviously about to give birth would have to lie on her back and have her belly palpated, it's just completely nonsensical to me. It disrupts you know, the system that does what process. The system does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, what's it going to tell you at that point? I'm about to give birth. Okay, cool. It's recording again now. Um, yeah, so we were talking about like the the midwife um, was saying that you can't have the – she doesn't do water births and um, just how different that experience was um, to your other births. Yes, yes, yeah. So – um, I think just there was a stark contrast between the attitudes of the midwives um, that I was blessed to have yeah. in my first um, three births. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was there was no kind of up uplifting of of me as the birthing woman. Um, there was a lot of 
kind of everything about it was quite fear-mongery. So, you know, she palpated my belly after I got there, although I did not want that. Yeah. Um, but I said yes to it yeah. because this is this is what happens. Yeah. Um, and and then she said, oh, the, the baby is not, it's really high. This baby is not engaged. And I was thinking to myself in my head, I don't care about that. Like I, I know I'm about to give birth. Yeah. Like whether the baby is engaged or not means zilch to me. Yeah. So it's it's just it's interesting that women when they're birthing, they they know what's happening with their body. And so external influence is really undermining of that and, and also almost like this often um an attempt to to instill doubt in the woman's mind yeah, so that the woman does look to the care provider for all of the answers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what happened then, then, you know, because the baby wasn't engaged, they wanted to do a scan on me, which is just ridiculous because like I was, I was in full on labor. Yep. Um, That's ridiculous. And then from there, <laughs> They said, oh, this baby's a direct um, posterior. And, again, I was thinking, don't care because I know I'm about to give birth. So, so yeah, really interesting. Um, um, And so then, yeah, I can't believe that you're in labour and then they're basically trying to say, you're not you're not in labor enough or you're not in labor or your body's not doing its thing and like that's just I I, yeah that's mind-blowing I mean I know it happens I know it happens but Mm -hmm. it's just mind-blowing yeah yeah it is and it's um but like you said it happens and this is just the way the system does it thing you know so uh, yeah I I just do feel like there's this very strong underlying uh sentiment of not wanting to leave a woman uh thinking that her body is enough yeah because their whole system is is hinged on the idea that her body isn't enough and her body does need them so um that you can see that in all of their language and so having been um having had midwives who were not like that previously it was really uh really quite stark yeah yeah but um I mean so then you know that birth I I got in the bathtub it was a good birth that one it was really good and the thing that I the thing that I loved about that birth was that I had a mission when I first became pregnant, which was to release my fears around giving birth again yeah. because I had gone into that idea terrified. And by the time I went into labor, I I had got rid of my fears. I wasn't scared at all. I welcomed it. I had a great experience. Yeah. The the interactions with the system weren't great, but my birth itself was really cool. I liked that birth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's very yeah. So interesting. Got, got in the, yeah, yeah. Got in the water um, again. So that was my fourth water birth. Um, yeah. yeah. 
And yeah. um yeah, I mean there were there were I don't want to go too much into it, but there was a lot more meddling of the system that put a really bad taste in my mouth. Um yep. but yeah. And so did that influence um the model of care that you chose um for your fifth baby? Uh it, well, yes, it did, but uh, I I had already with num- baby number four not wanted to go to the hospital. Um, yep. So the fact that then when I was pregnant with number five, the fact that I did just get a private midwife, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of always going to be that way, even if I'd had a good experience in the hospital. I think. Um, yeah, it just I guess solidified yeah. your decision that. Oh, I'm like I don't need to go to hospital. I can just I should just be doing this at home. Yeah, I mean, after I'd had that home birth, I did not want to leave my home again to give birth. Uh, yeah. So when I was pregnant with my fifth, we didn't have we really had you know money issues, and so there was just a conversation around. Oh gosh, well, how are we going to make this home birth happen? And at that time, I again, still hadn't done the work around what would it look like to just stay home and give birth just with my family. So we borrowed the money from my beautiful mum and we got a home birth midwife. Um, And again, at that time, I, I really loved that experience and I yeah, I, I really loved the support that she gave me. Um, yeah. You know, now after having had a six baby and if I had another baby, which hopefully it's not going to be happening, but I <laughs> that kind of support is not what I would choose now. But at the time yeah, okay. it, it served what I was seeking. But again, I when I tell this story, add in the nuance that, had my birth or my pregnancy progressed down a different path, I do have to admit that I would have probably been transferred if if any number of different things had happened. And so yeah. that's just that one piece that that I like to share with women is that to have those conversations, if you know that you'd like a home birth and you know that you would like a midwife to support you, um, having laying it all out on the table with your midwife is really crucial because yep. so many women do think they are getting something and then and I mean I know women personally and, and I'm sure you do and we all do know women personally who have hired a midwife um, thinking that they're having something and and not having had those conversations of if your baby's breech you you have to you know I can't support you at home and if such and such happens I can't support your home if this happens in your labor yeah. we will have to transfer in so it's and there's nothing wrong with women choosing that if that's if they'd like that kind of support and they would like to transfer in if a b or c happen but it's just about ha- you know being really honest about that so I mean in my experience I was really blessed that those conversations didn't turn out to have been necessary. My birth and my pregnancy just, you know, trucked along completely uneventful. Um, yeah, I mean, there was one thing actually that in hindsight 
um, I can say did not align with what I wanted. And that was I did express to my midwife that I did not want to have any scans in that pregnancy. Um, But I was told by her that uh, she would not be able to support me if I didn't have at least one short morphology scan uh, because of just the guidelines, really. Um, And so this is where it does get complicated. Like just the question of how much can a midwife, as well-intending and loving and and supportive as they truly want to be, how much can they truly stand with women unequivocally if they also do have to take care of maintaining their license and that's just the the unfortunate uh dynamic that that is at play um so in that situation yeah I I was I chose to forfeit what I wanted to be able to keep her support yeah um so yeah that's kind of how that played out but then, yeah, I think that's yeah, like a very important thing to to um, touch on as well as like mm. these questions because that's what's caught me out both times home oh, birth, both private yeah. midwives. Um, yeah. I've yeah, I guess I am still working on people pleasing, and yeah. um, you know, coming back. Um, we came back from overseas at the start of this year, and we didn't have enough, like a lot of money. We had to borrow money. Similar situation yeah. to you know, be able to f- pay for the midwife to have this home birth, and um, I was kind of just like, oh, I'm so lucky that I even get a private midwife. Like, I don't want to complain. I don't want to yeah. like be too fussy because I'm so lucky that I've been able to have this model care that I wanted and um you know I did I didn't ask I didn't even like I guess reflect on what had um you know happened in my first home birth that I would like Mm -hmm. to be different for this home birth I I was just like oh I'm so lucky and I didn't ask those questions so when things came up um then it was I was like yeah I was like well why is this happening like I've I thought that this is what I was getting and actually it's a little bit different to what I expected and it was very stressful because when you've paid thousands and thousands of dollars (laughs) to have this experience you're kind of uh you know and there's not like there's another private midwife next door that I can just be Mm. like oh sorry like that doesn't suit I'm going to like jump ship like it's just that's just not how it is like once once you've got a midwife um it's very difficult to change in in some situations um i'm sure there's women out there that um decide to um you know say goodbye i guess to the midwife and choose to free birth instead because that's what aligns better but also because there's not very many other accessibility options yeah yes yeah accessibility can definitely factor into the way women do make those decisions um yeah and I think, yeah, it is. It's it's a hugely stressful thing, um, and it's something that is almost kind of not really talked about. We talk so much yeah. about having a private midwife um, as being just this unicorn gold standard of care. Yeah. When yeah. it for some women, for many women, even um, it it can be, but it's very much dependent on how your the end of your pregnancy and how your birth goes 
So that's the piece that I think needs to just be openly disclosed by midwives in conversations with the women they're working with so that women can then make those decisions from a real place of understanding, okay, um, am I happy to make this investment um, and go down this path knowing that if A, B, C or D happens, I'm going to be advised to go to the hospital? Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's not about right or wrong. It's about really just understanding plainly the kind of care that we are engaging with. So, yeah, um, yeah like, yeah, it's full on. But, I mean, for me, I again, I was really lucky. I was really lucky. So pregnancy just continued on um, really uneventfully. I'd say the thing that stood out about that pregnancy was um, I – and again, this is kind of down to me not putting myself first. I was not nourishing myself at all. I was actually completely depleted. And um, and so that played into my journey of birth in a, in a huge way. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I can get into his, his birth story now quickly if if you'd like yeah 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 um yeah so how pregnant was I I was nearly 41 weeks pregnant and I was really excited to meet him and all of that labor started and and it started with my waters just bursting and breaking open that was the first time that had ever happened to me like the huge yeah. kind of theatrical like gushing of, of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's only again in hindsight that I realised that that is quite associated with um, a lack of nutrients, some nutrient deficiency or depletion oh. in um, a weakness in the amniotic sac. Yeah. Um, wow. And, yeah, and that's completely what was my issue. I'm definitely not saying that that's across the board, but, you know, it's thought to be in in many cases. And so I, because of that, labour started really hard and fast. There was no cushioning. His head was right there. I was in a bad mood from the get-go. It was kind of like a train, just like a train, um, the locomotive just pummeling through me. And um, called the midwife called my mum um, and, yeah, I mean, what to say about it really. I, I just kind of laboured and and then I, I, I made my way downstairs. It was really, really full on. It was, it was kind of like hard and fast labour. It was like three hours and yeah. got downstairs, got into the, the tub, I like the the birth pool, and and yeah, I mean, I was in there for a little while, hanging on for dear life. Yeah, uh, like it was kind of it was really raw and messy. I had this image in my mind of how I'd be when I'd be birthing. Like I had a dress picked out, and I had you know, like how am I going to do my hair and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I ended up just wearing my. Sorry about that noise. No, no, that's okay. I, I ended up just um, wearing my husband's track pants 
Yeah. Um, and like a, an eye mask and his dressing gown and I, you know, it was just, it was messy. It was really messy. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I was in the tub, pushed for a few minutes and yeah, yeah and then he... He he came out. Um, yeah, yeah. That was it. Kind of. That's the thing, yeah. you know. Birth, yeah. it, actual birth, is kind of just so almost ordinary, isn't it? So yeah, it, it's yeah. hard to to give a a, um, a really detailed recount of it because yeah, yeah I mean. I, norm, I did get normal, care. Like I have birth. torn with all of my babies uh, after my first one. Yeah. And I do believe that's just because my tissue had always been, had a, um, a lasting weakness in my perineum and and yeah. that's just always what's happened since that first like bowling ball shot out um, on my second birth. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, like there was no issue with that. I, I didn't get stitched up. I chose to have that um, just close up naturally. But what happened after I gave birth to him was this is where it all kind of took a turn and, and ended up being really difficult. So after I gave birth, that was all cool. And then I, I started to feel my legs cramp up. And when I say my legs cramp up, everything from the hips down like so my hips my glutes my quads hamstrings and my calves everything was cramped wow cramped so painfully that I couldn't I was in agony because I was not able to get my cramp stretched out because if people, if I was having one um, muscle stretched, it would contract the other one, you know, it was just agonizing. And, and I, I ended up fainting. Um, and it was just pure depletion. I was just so depleted. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what, what ended up happening was I ended up, basically having to lie down in the in the place where I had given birth I ended up lying down there for the first like 48 hours after I gave birth because I just couldn't couldn't move I was so weak um and my our bed was upstairs and so I my husband having a bad back there was no way he was going to be able to like carry me upstairs I just lay there on a, on a mattress downstairs for like the first 24, 48 hours without moving. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I even got a catheter put in so that I did not have to get up to go to the toilet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, like that's, that's purely just me not prioritizing myself. That's all that was, but it taught me a huge lesson in, you know, your body is so wise, your body is so strong, but it needs fuel, it needs support to be able to do its job. It can't run yep. on empty. Um, yep. And then and then I really took that lesson into my, my sixth birth. Yeah. 
Um, and so your sixth birth, you, I guess it's kind of um, like full circle, I guess, because yes. you chose to have a, a free birth with your sixth baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I had like a DIY experience is kind of how yeah. I um, <laughs> like to think of it. Okay. I yeah, I basically I don't know, I think I think I just realized it, it just made the most logical sense. I knew I I knew there was no way I was going to go to the hospital. Um yep. were you still living like right next to the hospital? No, no. So we'd moved twice since then. Yeah, uh okay. so we yep. were we were kind of yeah, close-ish to a couple of hospitals. Um, but I, I just knew I was not going to engage with that system. And yeah. so I just started to think about the way I wanted to make a home birth happen. Um, yeah. I didn't want a midwife because I just kind of felt like I didn't, it, it, I didn't really need it. I I yep. didn't feel called to that. Uh, we also did not have the money. And even if we yes. had, I felt like, wow, that's a lot of money to, for me personally, that's how I felt. Um, yep, yep, and yep. so, yeah, look, I, I just going through all of the different ways I could, could make decisions, that's what I arrived yep. at. Okay, I'm just going to plot along. And I'm going to just birth this baby. Um, I, but the one thing I took really seriously was my nutrition. Literally yeah. from the moment, I didn't actually get a pregnancy test, but from the moment I did realize I was pregnant, which it, it's so funny because I realized I was, I had conceived a week before I even missed my period. I realized oh, wow. I could feel my womb doing stuff. Um, yeah. And it's so funny. I remember hearing on a podcast once that a woman saying she could feel when she had conceived because she felt her womb twitching. And I just wow. thought, oh, gosh, like, what do you mean? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> you know, of course, believing that story from that woman, but just thinking, gosh, how? How could, you know, how could um, that sense be that strong? And I honestly yeah. felt the same thing. Um, wow. So about a week before I had missed my period, I felt my womb twitching and, and then started to ache over the next day. And I thought, oh, that's weird because that never happens a week before my period. So I kind of thought, yep. oh, that I've probably conceived. Um, yep. And lo and behold, period never turned up. So I was like, there we go. Um, <laughs> and, and so from that moment, that, the reason I mentioned that part of the story is because it was at that initial point that I realised I can really listen to and trust my body here. So all yeah. of the information that I'm going to need is I will feel it in my body because my body is literally giving me these little signs of what it's doing and what's going on. Um, yeah. And so that really started the process of, of really tuning in. And so then I embarked yeah. on a journey to absolutely build up my reserves of nutrients and I took that so seriously. And that was basically my prenatal care. I just I just absolutely nourished myself. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah. I after after that experience, like you know, having to be basically bedridden for mm. up to forty eight hours, like fainting, and yeah, that's yeah. very full on. That's not a um like pleasant way to start. You know your postpartum you know the the first couple of days like bonding with baby and like having to also um keep up with the demands of like a a fresh baby like you don't want to end up being um like bedridden like that's yeah yeah definitely those first couple of hours of his birth all I did remember was agony I had no focus on him whatsoever Um, So, yeah, like I I definitely did not want to sabotage myself like that again. And knowing that I was not going to engage with the system, that was part of my way of taking full responsibility for my experience. Um, So, yeah, I kind of just plodded along. And and it was a great, it was a great, it was a great pregnancy. I absolutely loved it. It was really nice to, to, just live, you know, and, and yeah, it it was kind of as good as I assumed it would be when you're just able to just be pregnant without it being anything, um, that needs special attention. Yeah. Yeah. Without making it a drama fit for television. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, you must attend this appointment. Now you're going to need to do this test. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It was just really cool to, to have all the information that was happening about my baby growing and all of that was purely what I was feeling in my body, you know? And so I remember feeling the first little twinges of um, the baby kicking, you know, when I was about, I don't know, probably quite early on, maybe 13 or so weeks and, and thinking, wow, I never got a pregnancy test. My period just didn't come. And now for the first time, I'm actually feeling feedback that there's a little human in there. And yeah. so it just completely changed the, just the sense of, of the experience of pregnancy. Instead of like yeah. a journey outward where I'm getting that feedback of, hey, there's a human in there because I've had a scan and I saw the, the little fetus on the screen. It was just... It was just, oh, there, there is a human, literally, just, and you can feel it kicking. And yeah, it's just cool. It was really cool. Yeah. I'd never actually thought yeah. about that, that, you know, like the the distrust or the disconnect in your body starts when you, or probably before, but like it, the first, I guess, physical thing is when you take a pregnancy, pregnancy test. Because yeah. whether you take that pregnancy test or not, if you're pregnant, you're going to find out. Um, exactly. Yes. Like you know, you might like often you take a pregnancy oh. test when you think you're already like pregnant when something mm-hmm. is, has changed, shifted, and so you you take the pre- you do the pregnancy test for reassurance that your body is you know actually pregnant. Exactly. But like that's also yeah promoting the, this sense of like you need this test to prove something like. I'd never thought about that. That's, That's really right. interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting because it's like it's planting the seeds initially from that very, very first um, instance that the feelings that you're feeling in your body, you can't necessarily trust and you need external yeah. um, validation yeah. to yeah. tell you yes or no. So, and, yeah. and it also it kind of 
lends itself to our desire to kind of control and know everything that's happening to our bodies and with the process. So being able to sit in the unknown of I might be, I might not be, let's see and let's um, tune in. Yeah. Um, is it, it puts, it sets a whole different atmosphere for pregnancy. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, yeah. how did that shape your, your sixth birth experience? Um, well, yeah, I just, I, I really loved it. I really, really treasure it. Um, so I had a dear friend who, I um, spoke to about coming to the birth to help yep. me out um, because of the fact that I had so many kind of little kids and even big kids, and so, so many people and so much um, going on Yeah, yeah, yeah. that I didn't know what kind of support I might need. I didn't know. And, and actually, I'll, I'll, when I tell my birth story, I'll, I'll get to a huge element of um, the distraction of ha- having a water pump. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. basically, um, I spoke to a friend and she really graciously, she just lives a few minutes away, um, she agreed to be there to support me. Um, and I spoke to my husband about it. Now, his only... His only concern was, will you be okay? Because he'd seen me faint and be bedridden for two days with the last birth. So he was worried about uh, my well-being. Yeah, That was his only concern about having an independent birth. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of just reassured him, look, I'm, you know, I'm doing A, B, and C. So that that happened because I was not nourishing myself and and all of that. Um, and so I said to him, you know, are you like, do you have any other worries? And he said, no, I'm just worried about you. Like, what else can happen? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I yeah, actually yeah. left it at that because I didn't say, well, you know, potentially the, these are the things that people are scared of. Um, I just let him be in that space of, oh, birth's just totally normal. Yeah. So um, that was cool. Um, The, yeah, so the interesting thing about that pregnancy was that this was the first pregnancy where I had actually had some anomalies, some things that might make a woman a bit nervous or want to get that external reassurance or, uh, yeah, or if, if they were engaging with a care provider that might have, uh, you know, raised red flags. Yeah. So I could tell that my baby was really small, like small for me, for, for what I'm used to. Yeah. I, I was pretty darn sure of that. Um, and I also had quite low fluid. And I knew that because whenever I'd had the, have the, um, you know, the, the prep, contractions you know the Braxton Hicks contraction yeah um it was my belly would almost kind of shrink down to the the shape of the baby oh I could tell not much fluid and so knowing that it was really interesting that 
because I'd just been listening to my body the whole time, I felt really, really comfortable that everything was okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I and, and the other thing is I he was kind of lying in a transverse position yeah, throughout okay. the pregnancy as well, which was really odd. So I kind of felt like there was something a little bit, you know, odd going on in there maybe. Like maybe there was some there was a reason for this to be happening. But at the same time, whenever I'd check in with myself, do I want to get external reassurance or do I feel like everything's okay? Am I happy to just sit in the mystery of this? And I was, so I just did. Um, I had a lot of, to just go into the birth story now, I had a lot of, a lot of prodromal labor with him. It was probably a good, I don't know, it was a good two weeks of contraction starting and building up and becoming building up some regularity and then petering yep. out to nothing yeah um just what you want when you have five other kids to worry I know about. <laughs> yeah yeah yes yep. and um I remember losing just on 40 weeks I think losing my mucus plug um in full and which was cool because that's yeah. never happened to me before, but I was like, wow, you know, when you're at the end, all of the kind of the unfolding of it, you're at, you're yeah. so ripe and ready that it's all really fascinating and exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was cool. Um, but then it wasn't another, you know, as we know it can be, it was like another good week or so before anything happened. But, yeah, I, I – started having contractions um and it had just been going on day after day so I was thinking will this build up won't it and then it was building up it was getting to the point where it was about 9 p.m and I was supposed to be putting my fifth baby down to sleep um and I was having contractions where I couldn't even sort of lie down still to put him to sleep so I was having to kind of really start moaning and vocalizing through them. And that's when, so we thought, okay, darn it. My, my baby's not going to be asleep. Um, and then I, we called my mom and that felt really good in the moment as well. I really felt like I wanted her to come. Um, and so I called her, she came along by about uh, 10 and, yep. and I, the interesting thing was going back to his positioning, I was having a lot of, I was having sort of nerve pain at the bottom of my womb and groin area. Like there was, there was something off about the way he was positioned. Yeah. So I yeah, I, I was feeling a lot of nerve pain, like sort of around my cervix and stuff, like quite a lot of irritation and a lot of pressure in my bladder. Okay. And so it was really strange that, but but the reason I mentioned that is because the, the cool thing was, um, and this is what I I want women to to be able to realize within themselves is that there's, if you can really tap into your instincts and let them guide the process, then I don't think that you fear when there's no need to fear. 
Yeah. So even though I could tell consciously, hey, there's something weird about this, there was zero fear. I did have this real sense of, no, my body's just giving birth. Um, and that's a that's a, a blessing to be able to come to that that um, place internally because then things can just unfold. So I'm really really grateful that um, that this choosing this kind of journey really helped me to arrive at that place. You know, because yeah. it really did transform my experience. Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot a lot of pressure. Um, you know, needing to go to the toilet, like every couple of contractions because like we, but I I was needing to do wheeze. That was the interesting thing. There was no back pressure at all. Yeah. Um, And so it was about midnight and we'd called my friend to come over. Um, And I will say that even making a call, it's, it can, like, I struggled with that to make a call and kind of weigh up in my head, do I want her to come? Yeah. Don't I? Do I want yeah. her to come in a little bit or is it now, you know? Yeah. Well, it snaps you be- out of that, like, primal space. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I did, I did notice that, but, um, but the thing that I was saying before about the, the water birth, is that my friend's support was amazing. Um, everyone else in the house was tied up trying to get the, water, the, the birth pool sorted. <laughs> so, so I had known from the – when I first became pregnant, I don't know how, I knew I was not going to have a water birth with this baby. Wow. Um, okay, yeah. I just kind of intuitively knew, although I'd always said, I cannot birth on land, it must be in water. But I just knew somehow this birth won't be in water. And, but still, my support people were like, but let's just, we'll just get it ready in case. So you've got the option. And something in me felt like, oh, that just seems like a big bother. But I, I let that happen because I thought, look, who am I to know? It, it might be good. But as it yeah. turns out, I was not interested in the water at all. And my mom and my two big girls were just, setting up this birth pool and we couldn't get the hose to work so they were bailing water in and it was oh crazy gosh. so yeah yeah um yeah it was about 12:30 a.m. 12:40 um i was just kneeling in front of my couch on the floor yeah yep. um all the pressure in my bladder not enjoying it i remember getting to the point in labor where I was like, oh, this is just it. It's just not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and then I started to push. And and the funny thing was, and there was no pressure in my back passage. So when I started to push, it was like I had all that intense pressure that you normally yeah. feel in your back passage, but it was on my bladder. So I knew that something was weird and then he came out not facing my backside. He came out with his head, his face was facing my inner thigh. So he came out sort of sideways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which was just interesting. I mean, I I haven't sort of haven't even tried to unpack what and how and why. 
but it was yeah. just an interesting thing that I noted and it like just lined up with all of the stuff that I was feeling internally. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, birth just works, you know, without, yeah. without the external fear mongering of all oh, position is this position is that, or it might be like this or that his head just came out, you know? And yeah. So I pushed him out, head was out, and my gosh, the relief. And and then his body just plopped right out onto the yep. living room floor. So, you know, it's funny. You set up the chucks pad and you set up like a nice like blankie <laughs> so he's got a soft fall. He, he missed all of that and he plopped ah. right out onto the lino. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, all of that. Um, yeah. And... And the interesting thing with that was there was almost no fluid and I had not lost any fluid Yeah. Um, in my, you know, in the early stages, nothing. Yeah. yeah. But there was almost no fluid that came out. There was just a tiny little pew, um, wow. which was really interesting because I know, I, I know um, intimately how much fluid I normally have, which is, you know, the, the yeah. big, huge you know, yeah. massive gush, and there was just a yeah. tiny little thing. And so I guess, you know, what I want to share about that is we're, we're taught that normal and safe is within these parameters, and if you go yeah. outside of that, it definitely a risk of this and a risk of that and blah, 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 and needs all of this extra measurement and testing. Um, but really the scope of what actually is physiologically normal and healthy, I think yeah. is so much broader than what we're taught from, from the system. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm pretty sure um, I've read briefly something about um, fluid levels from maybe Rachel Reed. I, mm. I'll link it in the description if I can yeah. find it. Um, but yeah, especially in those later stages of pregnancy, you know, it, um, like, it's normal for the fluid to change because your body is preparing to give birth yeah. and birth just works if you let yeah. it do its thing. And yes. I guess, yeah, I, it's been so amazing to listen to all of your stories, Claudia, because, um, you know, even though there were some similarities with some of them, like in my mind, they were all quite different. And I think it's so super cool that you've had you've not just stuck to one model you've ex you've truly experienced um almost everything um mm. but like also the positive experiences that you've had you've managed to experience them in all of these different settings and with all of these different um environments and stresses and support per people and um like that's you have such valuable experiences and oh my gosh the women that get to work with you are so lucky <laughs> it's so cool oh. what you've been able to share um yeah yeah, I, yeah. so yeah, so many I've, cool things yeah oh thank you no it's been it's it's been so nice to be able to um talk through them all and you know it's like the reflective it's so often in hindsight, reflecting back on these things that we can really der derive all of those lessons, which I've been blessed to be able to do for my own journeys. And, um, and what I love now to, to do with women, of course. Um, but yeah, yeah. 
Like I have experienced a lot of different ways of doing it and I have been really, really lucky that I've, I've overall had really positive births. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It was definitely yeah. my last one, I'd say. My sixth birth was one that's like it was my most positive experience. And, and just to yeah. finish up the last little, to tie it all in a neat bow, after yeah. all of the, the nourishment and really putting that at the top um, in, in terms of priority, after I gave birth, I, I looked around to the people that were there and I said, oh, my gosh, I feel so strong. I feel like I haven't even given birth. Oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. I can just, like, picture that moment. Like, oh, yeah. It's like with theme music and, like, that is the end of our television show and you've just, like, yeah. witnessed this really empowering, amazing birth. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. it really was. It's just testament to um, what real support looks like and you know what real prenatal care really is and um and I felt really good about myself that I had been able to um put that first and my gosh the difference and yeah it was just I transitioned from birth into postpartum like awake alive strong robust it was just amazing you know so that's incredible thank you so much for sharing all of those stories thank you so much for having me on to share I really appreciate it